and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Are you overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed? You want life to be different, but you don't even know how to get there. Man, oh man, I lived there myself. And in my experience with working with thousands of people from all walks of life, there is one simple thing that holds so many of us back, a lack of time management. We may know what we want, but we often don't know how to get there and don't feel like we can add one more thing into our already busy day. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Action Planner. It's a 90-day inspired game plan that will give you total clarity on your greatest priorities and skyrocket your productivity on the tasks that matter most. And now, for a limited time, you can get your own copy for free. And when you go to denisewalsh.com slash action, Denise Walsh, D-E-N-I-S-E-W-A-L-S-H dot com slash action, A-C-T-I-O-N. Put your information in and we will send this action planner directly to your inbox so you can set your goals, reprioritize your calendar and design your dream life today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. Our next guest is not only an entrepreneur, but she juggles it with being a wife of 24 years and a mom of six homeschooled children. Yes, we may look at her as a superwoman being able to run a successful and thriving business and take care of the needs of so many people within her home. And I cannot wait to hear a bit of her story. She went from bankruptcy to multiple six-figure business and is now a family freedom and affluence mentor and creator of the Lux Your Business sales system and a sales strategist who shows women entrepreneurs how to have it all, right? Family, freedom, and affluence while doing what we love. She teaches her clients to restructure their businesses and lives by boosting their high ticket sales so they can make more money in less time without having a heavy client load. That sounds marvelous. Big dream cast. Welcome to Shayla Boyd Gill. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to be able to chat with your community today. Yeah, I'm excited too. You have done so many cool things in your life. So before we get into the sales system, which I am certainly interested in learning a bit more about, I know everyone listening will be as well. I'd love to hear a bit more about how you got here. First of all, what brought you to homeschooling six children and then starting a coaching business along the way? Yeah, the journey is real. Okay. So like you weren't busy enough. <laughs> as if I wasn't busy enough. Right. So I literally started after coming out of school as a construction engineering technology graduate with mechanical background. I was a project manager in construction. No one knows this part, but you know, so I was with Roundup Construction and I only lasted in that field for three years because what I noticed immediately was it was a very male dominated field, which isn't a problem. But what I saw is once you got to the upper level in the company, the relationships were falling apart because we spent all of our time on the job. We were always over-promising, which meant you had to always be available to follow through. And so I told my husband a year before I left that job, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but I won't be here next year. Look at me speaking things into existence, right? Lo and behold, pregnancy number three happened. And he's like, this is a setup, right? You knew. (laughs) I was like, no, it wasn't part of the setup. But whatever happens, happens. And so my first child was in first grade. And we went to a teacher conference. And the teacher said to me, he's phenomenal, really smart. As a matter of fact, he's really advanced. But he's not mature enough to go into a higher level class. So we don't have the support that we need for him in this classroom. And her fear was that she said, literally, we could dumb him down if he stays here. So I recommend that you homeschool him or take him to a private school. Now, let me tell you the truth. My paycheck was not set up in a way where taking him to a private school would be the thing to do. So that's how homeschooling really happened. And from there, by then I had three babies and I'm like, well, we're in it. So I fully committed and we made magic happen. Well, it was one of those things I would have never thought that I was going to homeschool. But when the opportunity was presented to me, like any parent would do, you're going to do the best thing you can do for your child. And I was willing to take the risk and do like jump through whatever hoop was necessary to make sure my children had the best experience growing and learning. Wow. I'm actually so impressed that the school teacher was so honest with you. It was scary because I was like, is she really saying this? Or is this the, like, is the universe using someone and they're whispering to me because I can't hear it. <laughs> so they're using a vehicle. But yeah, you know, any parent had the opportunity to just sit and say, okay, you know, the kid's going to be okay. But I knew, you know, every parent thinks my child is a genius. And I'm like, oh my God, if I don't do this, what could possibly happen with my child? So right. I'm like, let's, let's do what we have to do. Well, and so we homeschooled for six months last year when I was like, we are not playing this game. I will not have inconsistency. I need to have like a bit of a, I don't know, control is the right word, but I need to like know what's happening. (laughs) Yes, yes. And we um, fell into, well, not fell, of course, it's all intentional, but we found a really strong homeschool community in our area and we joined a co-op and we, you know, had field trips and it was really fun. And there were pros and cons to it. But one of the pros was that my husband was in charge of math. And uh-huh. so yes. they did flashcards all of the time in the hot tub, eating breakfast, things like that. <laughs> and they ended up going back to school. And my second grader now is several steps ahead. Yeah. And, and you'll see that happening because the difference with homeschooling, what you may have found is it didn't take as much time to teach a lesson. So a traditional school day is not what's needed when you're homeschooling and you have the option for variety. You're not stuck on they can only learn this one thing because the whole class has to learn this thing. Your child can learn what they're really interested in and you can make it fun and exciting for them too. Did you find that your children thrived in that environment? Yeah, they did. We have three that have graduated already. Thank goodness. Because that proved to me I didn't ruin my kids because that's always your worst fear. Like, I'm not a teacher. I'm going to ruin my kids. It's going to be the worst thing ever. (laughs) But what it, it really prepared me also in entrepreneurship because it's trial and error. And okay, goodness gracious, you're using your kids as a test subject, but aren't we all? Life is a test subject. So I literally had to be willing to move forward, have blind faith, and say, let's give this a try. And you learn to tweak things. So each child taught me, okay, that's not going to work the way that you thought it was going to work. My way of learning is not their way of learning. And I know that with my clients too, everyone has a different learning style. So it can be very humbling when you're like, well, I went to public school and I always did this this way. And they're looking at you like, I don't get it. Right. And you're saying, what do you mean you don't get it? (laughs) Well, you are already outside the box. 
And I think, you know, part of my story, I was a clinical psychologist. I did all the right things, got my first job, hated it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so entrepreneurship nudged me lovingly to say, there's got to be other ways to use my gifts and skills. You know, the last 15 years, I've been an outside of the box thinker. And so homeschooling kind of also lovingly pushed you outside that box to say, all right, what we've been taught doesn't have to be the only way. Yeah. And it really does teach you that. It's like, there's not one way yeah. for anything. There are multiple ways and you may not know which way until you try a way. And then when you try it and you're like, okay, we can do something different. Right. So, you know, what happened is I homeschooled or started homeschooling. And I said that money I was making in that organization was really good. I need to make money because we had a dual income family. And so what I looked at, I said, what can I do really well that I can easily make money with and still be able to homeschool my kids? And I literally was spinning in circles trying to figure out how can I make money? And so it boiled down to this really hilarious conversation that I had with my mom, my husband, and a few friends. And they were like, well, what do you do really well? I was like, you all are going to laugh, but I'm really good at having babies. (laughs) And they're, you know, people are looking like, who says that, right? I do out of the box, right? (laughs) But what I noticed was I had really amazing birthing experiences, but many of the women in my community, friends included, when, you know, you know, all girlfriends get together and talk about their birth. They're like, oh God, you know, I had this, you know, experience or we ended up with an emergency this or this many stitches. And I'm like, I don't remember it being like that for me. And the difference was I knew that I had a doula, I had a midwife and They really took time to educate me and take the fear factor out of the birth and prepare me for the experience. I had advocates with me the entire time, not just at the birth, but from conception on, I had advocates. And I said, if I can be that same advocate for other women, I can make a difference. So I became a childbirth educator and my students eventually said, well, would you come to my birth? I'm like, say what now? My birth was enough. You want me to be at your birth? And I realized that was a doula. So I built a business, a birthing business, and didn't realize that I was good at building a business. When I talked to other birth workers in my area, they were charging much less. They were having a hard time booking clients. When I went to interviews in the homes, think about this back in the day I interviewed in people's homes. But when I went to interviews in the homes of these clients, they were like, you're so professional. I'm like, well, isn't every birth worker professional? I don't get it. But I came in with a portfolio. I came in with branded items. My brochures were branded. My folders were branded, business cards. And I came in with proposals. I was prepared. And I realized it's a very organic community. And so most people, it was that, you know, we're earthy. We're wearing Birkenstocks. You know, I was earthy. I had Birkenstocks, but I knew business. I understood I need to close a deal and I need to advocate. And so they paid me not only for the value I brought, but before the professionalism and the business that I brought to this. So I was charging double and triple what everyone else was charging, even people that have been working in this field for years. And so people were asking me, how are you making this business work for you? We get certified, you know, people get certifications and a lot of organizations don't teach you how to make business with your certification. Mm -hmm. I saw a loophole, a gap. And so that's where the coaching came in. Not only was I a doula and childbirth educator, I overlapped it with 
let me teach people how to do business the right way. Let me teach people. They weren't accepting credit cards. I'm like, why? They didn't consider that people had funding from their jobs that they needed to use at the end of the year, their health fund. I was like, we can do this. <laughs> it's right. not a case of people can't afford it. They don't know how to use their money. And so I started teaching other birth workers how they could make money, more money in their business and structure their business and build a team in their business. And then I morphed from just birth workers to more general women. And that's where some mistakes came. I'm like, I teach every woman how to have a business and made some major mistakes with that. Failed, flopped, couldn't sell anything until I found my niche. Who were the women I really wanted to work with? Where did I really want to go with this? And what was the theme for my business? We went from coaching everyone to start their business to first it was in all of that, when I made mistakes, bankruptcy came. So the joke I love to tell people is if you make $100,000 and you spend $101,000, what is that? It's broke, okay? <laughs> you don't have the money that you're spending. So I learned lessons there. So I taught what I call money freedom because I learned a lesson, got support, learned how to manage the money because I knew business, knew how to make the money, couldn't hold on to a dime. So I had to teach them money freedom because I always teach from what I've learned. Mm -hmm. I taught money freedom. Then once we got past that point, I went to a message of family freedom and affluence because I said, I understand the money. I understand the importance of the family. I understand that people want freedom. Sometimes our businesses consume us. And so if you left your nine to five and thought that you were going to get rid of that 40 hour a week model and you end up working 60 hours a week, something's broken. So I taught that. And then I graduated as I elevated, my message elevated. That's how we got to luxury business because now the clients were at a point where they're making the money, they're wanting to do investments, they're wanting to show up a little bit differently. And so we needed to get to the point where we could lux our businesses. We can make our businesses serve us versus us working in the business all the time. That's how we got here. Very long story. Amen. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I got a few thoughts with everything that you just mentioned, but what I love is that you guys, I want you to hear that the business evolved as she evolved. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we feel like we need to know the end from the beginning. We might have an idea of what we want, but we really don't know until we're doing it. And then someone says, Oh, will you come to my birth? Oh, will you do this? And you're like, yes, I will. <laughs> and then I'll figure it out later. And, and that's it right there. You know, <laughs> and sorry to interrupt you, but I love that piece. When you eliminate the how, that's when magic comes. You know, if, if I had looked at that and said, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do at a birth. I have never attended anyone's birth outside of my own. I could have stopped this whole train right there. It is sometimes saying yes. And then saying, okay, I better find some answers. <laughs> Universe, I'm open. Someone show me what's going to happen next. But there's Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's Google, but it is it is a case. Everything I've done has been me saying yes and then just allowing space for growth after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a, had a similar niche problem because I was like, who needs my material? Everyone. Everyone. Men, <laughs> women, ages 8 to 80, you know, everyone needs this and teenagers need this and kids need this and parents need this. And um, although that could be true, we have learned, right, that in order to truly market, whether you're selling health and wellness products, whether, you, whether you've got a coaching business, whether you are, you know, doing makeup or whatever it is, speaking to one specific person really helps the marketing bring the right people to you. So tell me, how did you, you know, figure out who your niche was going to be? 
this is a really cool part because when I'm at the place of luxury business, one of the big things I teach is really having lux clarity. And the clarity is oftentimes around the type of client that you want to serve. We usually will choose the client we think we can serve and get easily that will pay us. But there's always a level of a person that you really want to serve. So I'm looking at not only the demographics, but the psychographics. What is that? Who is that person? How are they really showing up? And does my message land with that person? And oftentimes it takes us releasing what's no longer working for us. So when we're releasing what's not working for us, you probably have had a client or two that you've taken on and you said yes, because Number one, you felt you thought they had money. Number two, you thought you could fix them. And you had a red flag when you were talking to them, but you ignored that red flag anyway, because you wanted to be able to say you closed a deal and you can mark this on your list of, I got another client. You've been influenced by your circle or community or a coaching group that you're a part of. And you wanted to show up and say, yes, I sold another X, right? And this really takes having radical faith and saying to yourself, There is a core group or a a particular person that I want, and I'm willing to leave behind everything that no longer works for me, which means you're going to have fewer sales calls. So you're going to feel like I'm not busy enough. It means you may even have fewer clients. So you're going to feel like I'm not going to make enough. But if you're structuring your business and your products and your offers properly, it's going to make sense. And you'll find that the client that's the perfect client for you, you can retain that client. That client's going to renew. That client's going to implement and follow through on whatever it is that they're supposed to do. That client, you won't have to pull along. So you need to know who is the person that you can serve best at the current state of business that you're at. And you usually, if you already have paying clients, you probably can identify that one client that you already have. That's like, if I could have more of this person, this would be amazing. And you probably have that one client that you can say, if I never get this again, this would be amazing. (laughs) So I always make sure that my message, I'm speaking to one person. I'm always speaking to that one person. And I use it as a litmus test. If I'm talking to someone, I'm saying, would this person do that? Nope. They don't fit. Okay. I need to let this go. And the the thing about this that we remind ourselves is we give ourselves permission. It's not your obligation to make an offer to everyone that you can only make an offer or invite the right person. So the mistake, one mistake people make when they get on sales calls, they think if I'm on a sales call, I have to make an offer. The truth is you're exploring, you're discovering. That's why we call it discovery calls. Mm -hmm. You're discovering, is this a right fit client? And if it's not a right fit client, provide them with a resource or referral to the person that can best serve them. I love that. The clarity that you have around your niche, around your ideal client, around what the program you offer, how the outcomes that it provides is helpful to bring the right people in, but it's also to know if that person's a good fit for you and if your program is a good fit for them. So truly on the sales call, you're saying, here's what my program offers. This is the type of person it serves. Is that you? And I have found people, you know, they get on a sales call and they'll say, I need to learn lead pages and Facebook ads. And I'm like, well, this is about (laughs) self-sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a why person rather than a how person. So if you want to learn like why you're not doing that and and kick some of those habits to the curb, then this is the program for you. And then the people who are like, yes, that's what I need, have amazing results in the program. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. get, they have tons of testimonies and their aha moments because they are in alignment. 
somebody comes to the program with the wrong reason, then that's not going to be beneficial to either of us. Well, if you think you can buy your way to success, that's a problem. If you think you buy the greatest system and the greatest person, the greatest coach, and you're going to have the most success and your habits don't match that, right? that's a problem. Right. And so on the sales call, I can see how you went from one to the other because you're like, on the sales call is where we identify, are you my ideal client? And is this the ideal program for you? So tell us a bit about that process of a discovery call and how it really can be. You know, I feel like it's the milk and butter of your business. It is. It is. And and this is where I love to tell people sales calls are not dead. I'm seeing a lot of different comments of people saying, oh, you can close people in the DMs. You can close people here. That's cute. Okay, great. But depending on your business model, if your model is more intimate, where you really want to get to know the people before you commit to dating or working with a person, then it may be beneficial to have a sales call. But before I even get on the phone with them, one of the first things we're doing is qualifying that client. And we're qualifying through applications. You want to make sure that you don't make the mistake of just having an application that just has information, meaning just identifying information like name, phone number, what's your business, what's your thing. But we want to go a little deeper in the application because this is the self, the first way of filtering. The person that's not fully committed is not going to fill out an application that goes deep. The person that's a little bit more committed will take the time to fill it out. So you're going to ask questions. I personally ask questions about if it's a business related thing, I'm asking about their business, their time in business, their um, revenue. And most people fib about how much money they're making because they want to look good on paper, but you'll find the truth out on the call. But I'm also asking about experience with working with a coach or a consultant or an agency, how much they've invested in the past and that, because if I know that I sell pretty high ticket and they're telling me, oh yeah, I just was in this $97 program. We're going to have a little shock and awe that happens. The, another question that I love asking is three, it's three answers. And I'm asking, you know, are you willing and ready to invest and be resourceful? Now you may think, of course, you know, the person saying, yes, I am. But I give them three answers. One, absolutely. I'm resourceful. You know, I'm ready. Number two, give me a minute. I can be resourceful. Number three, I'm not willing to be resourceful. So who's the person that you think I don't allow to get on my calendar? I'm guessing the not resourceful one. The person that says I'm not even willing. Why are we having a conversation? You've already indicated I'm not willing to be resourceful. I'm not ready. You said I don't have it and I'm not willing to be resourceful. So if that's your truth, let me honor your truth and say, you know, unfortunately, your application has not been approved, but here's a great resource. Stay on our list. Come back when you're ready. Okay. So once I'm getting people to the phone, just I want you to remember there are four things that you can do on a discovery call, okay? So the first thing that you really need to make sure that you are able to, to do is lead, L-E-A-D. You're showing up as the authority. Someone's coming to you for your expertise. So it's important that you lead this call. The mistake people make is you get on a, dis- a discovery call or a sales call. And have you ever had Chatty Kathy show up and take over the call? You have no idea what just happened. Some, you know, you ask one question, she's told you about her grandmother, her auntie, and all the other family members and everything that's ever happened with other coaches. I thought that only happened because I was a clinical psychologist. Right. No, it's not just on my forehead. We all have it stamped somewhere. Okay. And even if we say, I am not a therapist, that's in my contract. Somehow it's you're the ear. They needed an ear that day. And by the time you finish, you've not made an offer. You don't even know what happened. You're just like, get me off the call. So you need to lead and be willing to lead the call in a manner where 
I usually say, you know, you're setting the table. So when a person gets on a call with you, you're letting them know, hey, welcome. So excited. We're going to spend the next 30 minutes doing X, Y, Z. And every once in a while, I may even interrupt you just to make sure we get you back on track so you can get the most out of this call. So you're asking them up front for their first yes, permission to lead the call. Number two, you want to make sure that you're really effective at listening. That's your next L. How many times have you gotten on a call and the person's answering questions, but you're already processing what you're going to ask them next? So you're not hearing what they're telling you. All you're doing is going, maybe someone gave you a script. Maybe you're just overthinking and you're like, okay, I need to ask them this question. I need to ask this thing. And then I'm going to say this. You didn't hear anything that they said. You're missing valuable information. So the third L is learn. If you're listening, you're able to learn. And a really great way of learning is to write down things. Keep a little notebook, write down what they're saying. We've all heard it before, but how many of us are doing it? And it doesn't mean you have to write word for word, but you should be writing down what's being said so that you can reflect back to them what they're saying. I think a huge mistake is when you make up words for people. So if the person's saying to you, all right. And you're saying, why? Hey, you know, what made you show up to this call today? I'm having a hard time getting people to buy my program. Okay. So what you're saying is you're having a hard time getting leads. They didn't say that. We may know that, but that's not what they said. So now it's like, did I say that? Or what just happened here? Or, oh, you don't know what to do to sell. I didn't say that. I haven't admitted that. All I said is I'm having a hard time getting people to sign up for my program. So you're having a hard time getting people to sign up for your program. Tell me more. My, my family jokes about me because I'm always saying, tell me more. They said they're going to get me a t-shirt. Too, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I, I'm around a lot of therapists. So <laughs> they were like, we're going to get you a t-shirt that says, tell me more. <laughs> but that is part of the listening. And you know that as a therapist, you know, instead of us making up answers or summarizing what someone is saying, you have to hear what they're saying and what they're not saying and then probe so that you can get more information because this is going to be the catalyst. This is the thing that's going to help you to sell. If you can really show that you know and you've been listening, they feel like they're seen and they're heard, then when you're selling, you can infuse your program into everything that they've told you, right? So we have lead, listen, and learn. Here's the one that people don't, they feel a little weird about this L. It's leave, L-E-A-V-E. So if we get disruptive Dave on the phone, who gets on the phone Hey, Shayla, you know, I know you're helping people with this thing. How much does it cost? And that's not your process. What you've asked the person to do is respectfully honor your process when you set the table. But if they're still like, okay, I don't want to go through all this. I just want to know how much it costs. I don't know that I want to work with you because what you're reflecting to me is you don't listen. You're not willing to be coachable. And this may not be a great fit. So I will give myself permission to leave and say, if this person is just really not a good fit energetically, I'll give myself permission to say, you know, I don't think this is going to be the right fit based on what we've talked about so far. And as a matter of fact, I'd love to offer you this resource or this referral to someone that may be a better fit for you. And guaranteed 90% of the time that person's going to say, wait, 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 I'm sorry. You know, what did I do wrong? <laughs> Can we start over? Now they want to, they want to correct their behavior. And you have to choose if you're willing to start the process over with them again, or if you really are in the place of, we need to let this go. Mm -hmm. And use your gut, like really pay attention to your, your, your instincts. Your instincts will tell you what you need to do. But when you try to go into that place of, I can fix this person, 
or, oh, this might be a good one because I know he can pay or she can pay. You cannot ignore that. The person that behaves a certain way on a discovery call will continue to behave that way as a client. You're going to have to spend more energy managing them. If you do the, oh, let me give you a deal, the deal clients, you're going to have to spend more energy managing. They're going to oftentimes want more than the people that are paying you the normal amount. And it's just like, it becomes just a, a, a train wreck. So honor yourself enough to honor your process. If you have a process in place, you can avoid making some of these mistakes. Mm. Lead, listen, learn, and leave. That's yes. beautiful. And I think you're right. Sales calls are not dead. People are missing connection. And so even though I do a lot on Facebook and voice messaging and webinars, you know, more of a group format, when I give people the opportunity to apply for, I, I usually do um, week-long launches. So it's like mm-hmm. the cart's open and you can yes. apply and then the cart closes. They're hungry for it. They're yeah. hungry for it because they really do want that real, even if it's on Zoom, mm-hmm. connection. And so I think that's an opportunity missed for those that are really just trying to build online and just, you know, through Facebook messages or things, get people on a call. Could even be just a 15 minute call to share more about what I'm doing and if this is a great fit for you, but get them on a call, get them on a Zoom so you can guide the process and build that deeper connection. Absolutely. One of the things you mentioned is is listening and doing that in a way where you can then ask probing questions. And I wanted to share, I was the guest on a sales call that I was the lead, I guess. (laughs) I was the prospect. And the person asked me three times, is there anything that would stop you from getting started today? Mm. And the first time I was like, no. And the second time I was like, well, and the third time I was like, okay, this is the real issue. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I learned so much as being the prospect about how important it is to ask some of those questions more than once and to really try to get to the root of any barriers that might be. Yeah. And, And, you know, oftentimes you will ask a question and people avoid the question. They're going to give you every answer but the answer. And so it is okay to say, okay, let me help you just a little bit. What I asked was X, Y, and Z. I'd love for you to really focus on this thing so that we can get to the root of you know, the problem, however you frame it, so we can get you the best solution. And so then that gives people a pause like, okay, maybe I need to show up and be a little bit more vulnerable, or maybe I need to get a little bit more truth here. And the same thing, it comes with objections. So I like that you were asked that question three times because you may get the person that says no. And most people are like, okay, let's hang up the phone. Person said no. What we're not doing, it's not your job to convince anyone to accept your offer, but you can give yourself permission to address the three objections that we commonly hear, which is time, money, or guilt. They hear about your program and all they heard was, especially if you really emphasize the time when you made the offer, all they heard was it's a 12 week program. And they're saying, oh my God, I am so busy. There's no way that I can spend 12 weeks. And so they said no to your offering. You don't know that they said no because it was the time. So you can ask, you know, you know, I, based on everything we talked about, this is where what you wrote comes in. Based on what we talked about, you said that you wanted to be able to do X, Y, and Z. What's the thing that's keeping you from saying yes? I don't have 12 weeks. I'm so busy. My kids are in school. I have to go do soccer practice. My husband's this and that. Okay, well, 
I may not have been able to share this with you earlier, but it only takes you about an hour each week to be able to complete the work in the program. Does that sound doable? And they're like, oh, shoot, I thought I was going to be on, you know, three hour calls and trainings in a workshop. So sometimes maybe we didn't convey the message clear enough for them. And that's an indicator for your next call. Let me remember to address these objections up front. Maybe it's an issue of the money. You could have possibly given them the pay in full rate. So it's a mastermind. It's $30,000. And they're like, what the bloop, 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 <laughs> you know? So instead, maybe when you're making that offer next time, you're only saying it's only, um, it's a payment of 2000 per month or the investment's only 2000 per month. 2000 per month sounds so much better than $30,000, even if it's the same thing. It's more digestible. Or maybe they're saying no, because you've said 2000 or you said 30000 and they're still in the place of, I need to switch some money around. It's going to take me this much time to be able to do this thing. But they've already said no to themselves because they heard it costs this much and they think they have to pay it right now. So you can address again, what's really going on? I don't have access to that right now. You know, I could get that in about a week, but I would need some time. Okay, so now you're having a different conversation. What do you need so we can make this happen? Another no may be around the guilt. They're saying no. And you're like, so tell me more. What's going on? Wait, tell me where the no comes from. I honor that for you. But let's talk about where your no is coming from. I've been in programs before and I didn't get the work done or I didn't get X results. And so now you're counting yourself out because they feel guilty about their past behavior. And so I may ask, well, what caused you to show up that way previously? I didn't have structure. I didn't have a calendar. I didn't have this. Life was happening. What could you commit to doing differently this time if you had an opportunity? So again, you're probing into what the issue may be. What I'm not doing is convincing you. I haven't said, oh, no, you said, no, you should really join this because this is going to change your life. I don't know that. I don't know your behavior. I don't know your actions, but I can't ask you what you're willing to do. And then we could determine, is this something that you want to try again? So right. remember that with the no's. It's okay to ask about the no's, but you don't have to convince them. If they give you a valid answer, we can't pay our mortgage. Please don't buy from me because you can't come and live with me. I don't have space for it. But because you told me on the application you were resourceful, you're probably not going to get that person on the call. Ooh. Okay, so I hear two things. You can use the resourceful question back in the interview or in the discovery call because um, you know you can say, well, what options do you have? Let's talk about mm -hmm. that. If the money is an issue, what options do you have? Do you have things you can cancel for three months? Do you have things you can sell? Do you have ways that you can earn it? Um, you know, one of my workshops during my program is they I have them write down a hundred or no, it's 50, 50 ways I could earn, earn money today. And just to even get those juices flowing, you know yeah. what I mean? And you can bring some of that up on the call. But the second thing I wanted to mention was this idea of guilt. And I have found this too. Oftentimes people will tell me, I want to change. I want your program. I know I need it. I'm afraid I won't really do it. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. afraid I won't stick with it. I'm afraid I'll let myself down. So how do you um, work through that with somebody so that they can have the confidence in themselves to say yes? 
So it's, it's a confidence factor. And again, our job is not to convince. So what you can do is if you really do have tools in place in your program that address those things, meaning things that help them with accountability, you can pull up those tools. If you know you have specific things, but if you know you're not a babysitter and you're not going to call them each week and say, hey, Shayla, did you do your work? Hey, Shayla, are you going to show up to this call? Then you don't promise that. So one of the things when people are applying, I let people know the type of person that I want to attract to my programs. I'm looking for people that are accountable, people that are um, self-starters, people that can follow through. And so I will let them know there are some tools that we have available that you can choose to use each week in this program. It's going to be up to you to use it, though. I will remind you that they are available. You might want to connect with other people if it's in a program. But it's going to be one of the parts of you being a CEO is you showing up and doing what you say you want to do. So I will often teach from future self, how would the CEO of your business show up? You have to decide at a certain point that it's time for you to behave in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. And this is our program directs you in that place. Yeah. So this can be beneficial to you. But again, you have to decide if you're willing to show up. I cannot make you show up. I have found that shifts happen just when people say yes to the program even mm-hmm. before the first meeting. Yes. Because yes. just like you said, they just now said, all right, I commit to myself. I put on my CEO hat. I'm no longer a victim. I'm doing something different. And yeah. then like things start to shift in themselves and in their world, even before we get started. They start to shift and you can remind them. Sometimes we have to be reminded of our power. And so that that power is always there. It always has been there, but sometimes we mute it. We may have to look at what's your circle of influence. Who's Are you surrounding yourself by people that are doers or that are comfortable sitting? You might need to up-level that. Maybe your program supports them. Like you're going to be surrounded by other doers now. You know, so it's, it's a choice. We all have a choice and it's a factor of being decisive. You have to decide that you want what you say that you want. So I teach... I always have numbers here. There are three other C's that I teach. I teach my clients to be congruent. So what's coming out of your mouth needs to match what's coming, what's in your head. I can't help you if if, if the message is like this, it's hard to help you. The universe can't support you or deliver what you're asking for. If it's like, I want this, but I don't believe I can have this. It's hard to deliver that. You need to be congruent. You need to be committed. You have to be committed to what you say you want. And then you need to be consistent. The actions that you take need to be consistent. You can't do the thing one time and get tripped up and say it never again, right? We all know that thing. You, your first launch, right? So if we're looking at people, you're just starting your business and you put your first email out there, you're like, no one bought from my email. This thing doesn't work. Uh, I need to go to plan B. So now we're playing squirrel. You're like, oh, This new program over here. Oh, look that thing over there because you're not willing to be consistent and look at the metrics to determine what part of it is working and what part needs to change. You've not even done it long enough. I like the, um, what's the book, the 12 week year? You have to do something long enough to be able to track it, to see the trend. But if you don't do it long enough, you have no data. There's nothing to track. There's nothing to, was it the landing page? Was it the email? Was it the message? Was it the form? Where did people stop in the process? Then you know what to fix. But if you do it one time, you can't figure out what to fix. Right. And we want to create momentum. So that means we got to, I always say, it feels like you're pushing a boulder uphill for a little bit. But once you get it, two plus two doesn't equal four anymore. And then that boulder (laughs) is rushing down. That's when we create teams and 
scale and do all the fun stuff. That's but. when we do all the, well, I, you know, I love to, you know, I like babies. So I love to put it in the frame of a baby. So with a baby, when a baby learns to walk, they have not told themselves, I can't do this. The only thing they know, their commitment is I'm going to walk. They will consistently get up, fall down, get up, fall down two weeks until finally they're like, oh, wow, look, the next step happened. Oh, wow. And then there's another one. They don't start really questioning themselves until we get in their head, until the world says, don't do that. You can't do that. That's not good. Don't. And then it starts, quite, then they start developing in their brains. Oh, maybe I can't do this. Maybe this isn't possible. Maybe that's not possible. So I love babies. I, I'll look at a baby learning to walk all the time. I'm like, oh, you're good. <laughs> it's motivating for us to have. I mean, imagine starting your business with that much confidence and that right. much vision. Like this is happening. And I may yeah. be in the midst of the journey and I may not know all the details and I may fall down a couple of times, but it's happening. And I think that that's, I kind of call it Care Bear staring out into the world. Do you know what yes. I mean? When you're yes. Care Bear staring, like this is my business and it's stinking awesome. If you're a great fit, let's do this thing. Yeah. Um, it's a different type of energy than a, I kind of sort of maybe have a business you might right. like. <laughs> right. When, when you just are like with kid gloves, when you just think this thing is the most amazing thing in the world, energetically, you will show up differently. You will make offers differently. People will feel your energy because you believe that there's nothing else better, nothing else. Yeah. When you have that high belief, oh my gosh, I say, I, I teach the dream life pathway, head, heart, feet. You know what you want, you yeah. believe it's possible and you're taking daily action. And so when it goes from your head to your heart, game over, I you've already it. won. And, and look, we love to see this. Men do this all the time. Guys will talk about what they're doing in business and they're like, rah, rah, rah. And we're like, oh, I just have this little business and oh, I just help a few little people. And it only, we'll use the word only, it only costs or it's just, only and just are justifications. We're convincing ourselves or convincing someone else at that point. Your guys, if you watch them, they're not saying only and just, they're like, it is, mm -hmm. it is. And they believe it wholeheartedly. They're like, it could be the crappiest program, but they believe it is. And so you have a the sales discovery system freebie yeah. that you're offering everybody today. You yes. guys, I'm going to put the link down below, but you just go to shaylaboydgill.com slash discovery to grab your own sales discovery system. So tell us what that's about. Yes. Yeah, so just as we spoke about today with our um, the four L's, I really teach you how to use that in your actual calls. So first we talk about what your application is and the things you want to include. I even include those questions that I mentioned to you. And then the other thing is really walking you through creating your own sales system. I think the biggest mistake we have is when someone gives us a script and the script does not feel like you, but you try to force the script and people know that you're reading the script <laughs> because it energetically doesn't feel like you. So I want to help you to create your own system based on your own questions that works for you, your industry, and this, your brand. Like we look, we look at brand archetypes and things of that nature, what really fits for your brand. So we use that system. And by the time you finish all of the sections of your system, you can show up on a call more confidently and be able to close more of these cells more consistently because you know what you're talking about and you're following a process. You are no longer throwing spaghetti at the wall. You have a system which will save you and your business. Oh, you guys, when you have a system, you don't have to think as much. <laughs> it's a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver. <laughs> you just you just do because you you have it figured out. It's like a roadmap. And then, of course, the goal is that you've, you know, it, it becomes who you be. You know, I, I want to say commit it to memory. But of course, 
everything is flexible. It's not rigid, but it's, you know, it so well that you can show up and it doesn't feel hard anymore. And it feels like a conversation. That's the other piece. When we're having discovery calls, remember, you really are discovering. The only way you can discover is if you have a conversation. So if you're talking and think of yourself, I'm having a conversation with someone that may be interested in something that I have to offer. And I have the opportunity to provide an invitation, even though we call it sales, you're just having a conversation and you're inviting if it's a good fit. That's all you're doing. All right, you guys definitely check out shaylaboydgill.com slash discovery to grab that freebie for today. And I've got two last questions for you. So the first one is, if you have a book or a podcast or a reference that like a aha moment you had in your business as you were growing your business, that was a major turning point for you or something you kind of always go back to or refer people to, what would that be? Early on um, in business, especially when I came into coaching, and I know this book is it's old, but it was fun for me. It was Eat That Frog. And that's just, you know, we're talking about getting things done in your business and attacking that thing that you may perceive as more challenging than everything else. What I always learn and figure out is that thing that I thought was going to be the most challenging thing is usually not. It's one of those cases, once you get your head into it, and you put your mind to it, you ever had a project and you're like, oh God, it's going to take forever. You're like overthinking it. And then when you sit down, you're like, that's a 20 minutes. Okay. That wasn't bad. <laughs> so I love that book. Eat that frog. Yes, that's a good one. All about productivity, time management for anybody who's like, I don't know how to keep a calendar or you know, like, whatever right, your time you. barriers might be. <laughs> Eat that frog is a great one for that. And then my last question is, as a coach, you are a mom and a wife and all the things we do, right? You're constantly pouring out and giving to others. So what is one thing you do every day that fills you back up that you couldn't live without? So the biggest thing is my body is like an alarm clock. It wakes me up literally without an alarm, 3.30 in the morning. No one does that, right? But 3.30 in the morning, my eyes pop open and I choose to get up. I get up, I do my meditations. I sit, I drink my coffee by myself and I'm in just enjoying the quietness and the stillness of the house. There are eight of us that live in this house. So if that's my moment of stillness until people start rising around that six o'clock hour, I've had almost three hours of peace and quiet to myself. And it's real. Like it's one of those things. I value that so much. That's like the favorite part of my day. Yeah. Nothing's happening. I hear the birds and whatever's buzzing outside and crickets and stuff, but it's peaceful. That is peaceful. What time do you go to bed to get up that early? I do go to bed by nine o'clock. So I, I can't hang when people yeah. are like, you want to hang out? No. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I love that. And it, you know, we all need a space to be before we jump into the do of, of the day. Yeah. So Shayla, thank you so much for sharing with us your wisdom, your passion and your story. And I can just tell that you ripple effect and impact everybody that you encounter in your community and your business and at home. So thank you so much. It's been great to chat with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.